RadioInfluence.com. Welcome back to the Lawfather Podcast. As always, we're here in Lawfather headquarters. Check us out on social media. Those of you on Instagram right now can check us out on Instagram Live. Uh, for everybody else, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on all of our social media. Uh, some of these clips will actually make it on TikTok, and we're going to be doing some more videos on there as time comes. So as we look to see, we've done a, a lot of kind of heavy topics lately, talking a lot about President Biden, President Trump, impeachment, voting, all those things. Not really fun stuff, if you will. Uh, I guess fun, fun from a legal analysis perspective, but not fun from a real life perspective. So let's look at, at some fun lawsuits, if you will. Um, probably not fun for the people involved, um, but fun, I guess, for those of us on the outside looking in, uh, the those of us not having to hire an attorney to defend these lawsuits, uh, because what these are all about are, are these are a couple of, we'll call them frivolous lawsuits. Uh, one is is more frivolous than the other one, um, but we're going to look at two different things. One, a family member suing another family member for a hug. All right. And we're going to start off with who owns your selfie. Okay. So kind of relevant, right? How many of you out there as you're listening, it's Monday, you're out all weekend. If you were lucky, lucky enough to be in the Tampa area, gorgeous weekend, great weekend to be outside exploring many different things. And maybe you took some selfies. Who owns that selfie? It's a great question, right? You could take and you could go all the way back and say, well, the phone is, or the camera's part of the phone and the phone was manufactured by say Apple, Samsung, Motorola, Nokia, whoever it is that made that phone. Well, maybe they own it. Maybe it's the person who took the photo, right? Or maybe as in this case, it's a monkey. Yeah. An actual monkey. I, I kid you not. Uh, there was a British nature photographer. Uh, his name is David Slater. And he had set up a camera and he had put it uh, in an area where there was uh, some macaw monkeys and they would go up to the camera and take selfies of themselves. Uh, the monkeys, that is. And PETA, in all of their infinite wisdom, decided that these monkeys had rights and that these monkeys should be able to copyright and own their likeness in these photographs. I, I wish I was joking because it sounds like the punchline to a joke. Uh, you know, I, I'm not appearing at the improv anytime soon. So this is actually real. And uh, PETA, which is the people for ethical treatment of animals, was seeking a court order to determine that the monkeys had rights. Right, and that the monkeys specifically rights to copyright the photograph and own the selfies that they took. Well, here's the deal. The, this is where the legal analysis begins and end. The Patent and Trademark Office came out and said, yeah, our rules and regulations and procedures for copywriting and trademark only relate to human beings. Only human beings can own and copyright anything. Okay, so there we go. The monkeys don't own their likeness. Now, there are some, some things out there, right, that you have to be concerned about when you're talking about using someone's likeness, all right? 
that's probably a topic for a whole nother show. It's there's textbooks and law classes that are, are designed for say entertainment law. That's where it comes up. Entertainment and sports law, the use of someone's likeness. Okay. But in this instance, we're talking about monkeys and the copyright office says, Hey, look, you gotta be a person. You can't be a monkey, right? So we look at it and say, well, who owns that? Most likely the person who owns the picture, okay, is the person who takes the picture, right? But it has to be a person. So in this instance, no one owns the picture, right? Because if you said that Slater, who was the photographer who set the camera up, owns the picture, you could really set a bad precedent down the line, right? Because you could say, okay, well, I have a photographer, but but as a photographer, and I, I don't know anything about professional photography, so please don't don't take this as I have any kind of extra knowledge here. But I could see a scenario where a photographer has an assistant, the assistant sets the camera up, and the photographer himself or herself is the one who actually pushes the button, right? And if you were to say, well, Slater owns these pictures because he set the camera up, and the monkey just pushed the button. Well, you could have potentially big time photographers whose assistants own the pictures, right? So you create these weird nuances. So who owns your selfie? Well, the person who actually took the picture owns your selfie, right? So that was something that came out of this particular instance. So next time you're out there and maybe you're at St. Pete Pier or maybe you're in downtown Tampa or at Sparkman Wharf or Armature Works and that stranger comes by and says, hey, let me take a picture for you. That person could potentially own the copyright rights to that picture. All right. So keep that in mind. Kind of relevant to this day and age with the amount of pictures and the ease and ability and accessibility to take pictures at any given time. So that is the uh, picture scandal, if you will. Now we move into one that you know isn't necessarily quite as fun and it's tough to call it frivolous, but it, it it's really a weird one, okay? And, and as I was reading about it, there was there was some commentary on this case that I didn't agree with, and I'll get into what this is and how this works because this case actually somewhat exemplifies some of the analysis that we do on a daily basis when we're talking about a car crash case. And what it is is... Uh, this woman, she went to her nephew's birthday party. Uh, he was, I believe, 12 years old. I believe it was his 12-year-old birthday party. And he sees his aunt, and he gets excited, and he runs up to her, jumps and gives her a big hug. No, nope. she falls down, breaks her wrists. Okay, bad end result, right? There's not much in the legal world that starts with, I had a really good day, and I then hired a lawyer, right? <laughs> there is not much uh, that... that maybe entertainment and sports law. Okay. Um, that generally has better outcomes and better reasoning for hiring attorneys. Okay. But that said, for the most part, the vast majority, it's, I had a bad day, something bad happened and I hired an attorney. Well, this, this aunt decides, well, I was at her brother or sisters. I don't know. One of, one of her family members house, hey, they must have a policy, a homeowner's policy covering this house, right? So I fell on their property, so therefore I should sue their homeowner's insurance, right? Or I should sue them to get to their homeowner's insurance. Well, yes and no, okay? So 
let's look at how this works, and then I'll get into, this, into some commentary on kind of the ins and outs of it. But you have a, you have an instance that happens, okay? So you fall on a property, and in this case, it's a family member's house, and it's caused by somebody, right? Now, look, I, I have a hard time saying that this nephew was negligent in giving his aunt a hug. Um, look, that is a is a 12-year-old necessarily going to know the effects of running and jumping on an adult versus, say, a 30-year-old? Yeah, probably not, okay? Um, probably a little bit more negligent for a 30-year-old, let's say, to jump on their aunt when they come in uh, for various reasons, right? Um, but even then, I, I think it's a stretch. But with a 12-year-old, I, I just can't wrap my head around what attorney thought this was a good idea. Okay. Um, because how is, how is that person negligent? How is that 12 year old truly negligent? And that's what we have to look at first, right? Is, was there somebody that was negligent? Well, I have a hard time saying that, that, that the 12 year old was, but sometimes when we look at things, when we look at these cases, and I can't say this particular case with this particular sets of facts that I would have taken on. Okay. But there are cases that I look at and I evaluate and I look at it straight from the insurance perspective. Okay, so here's the big secret. Here is what nobody wants you out there listening and you out there on Instagram live to know. All right. Insurance companies are generally involved in these scenarios. All right. There's actually, and, and I forget what state that this case took place in. It was not Florida, but this state had the same rule of civil procedure that Florida has, okay? Uh, the rules of civil procedure are what we have to follow in court. Uh, it's just like a statute, okay? It says, this is what you can do and can't do. And in this particular instance, when we, when we talk about insurance, for the most part, you cannot bring up insurance in Florida, okay? So here, here's how it plays out. And I'll use a car crash as an example because it, it plays into the one exception that I know about. There could be other exceptions, but this is the only exception that I know about that insurance can be brought in. So you're in trial you, when you sue somebody. Okay, so let's, let's walk it back a step. Okay, you have something that happens. A nephew jumps on you, you fall, you break your wrist, just like in this instance. You hire an attorney. That attorney then tries to find who the insurance company is. Then they take and they send a demand letter to that insurance company saying, my client was hurt. It was your insurance fault. You, Mr. Insurance or Miss Insurance Company, you need to pay us. Okay. You need to pay us for those injuries. And if the insurance company says, yes, boom, it's done. Check gets cut from the insurance company. No one knows anything else. It's off and it's, it's gone, Right. Insurance company says no, like they did in the nephew and aunt case, and a lawsuit is filed. Now, all this time you've been dealing with the insurance company. You haven't been dealing with the individual, okay? The individual who caused the thing to happen, right? That caused the bad thing to happen. And you generally don't at any point in this. But when you file the lawsuit, that lawsuit, that named defendant in the lawsuit, is that person. So if we take into account this, this nephew and aunt, this lawsuit is written as the aunt suing the nephew. Okay. Right. Why is that? Because we know at least those of us who work in this industry, we know 
that it's the insurance company that's pulling all the strings, making all the decisions because that's why you pay for insurance, right? You pay for insurance to protect you. You pay for insurance to provide you a defense, to provide you an attorney, okay? But you become the named person of the lawsuit and guess what? A jury never gets to find out that you had insurance, okay? So take it to a car crash example. Somebody rear ends you, okay? Uh, the person who did the rear ending is the defendant, all right? But let's say they had a really small insurance policy and they were fighting it and you have uninsured motorist coverage, all right? And I know these are our concepts that we'd have to dive a little bit more into, but just know that uninsured motorist coverage is coverage that protects you if someone doesn't have enough coverage, okay? At least that's how it works here in Florida. States are different, okay? But that's how it works here in Florida where we are. And your lawsuit would be, you know, Jane Smith versus John Doe and Mr. Insurance Company, okay? That's how it would work. And that Mr. Insurance Company, that's actually your insurance company, and that is for a breach of contract, okay, if they don't settle the uninsured motorist claim before you get into litigation. But play it out like we have our nephew and our aunt, and let's just say they go to trial. Jury goes, yep, nephew, how dare you? You should have known better. I can't believe you caused those injuries and, and had a, had your aunt break her wrist on your parents' house, on your parents' property, okay? We're going to make you pay. Well, guess what? He's not actually paying. His parents aren't actually paying. It's the insurance company that's actually paying. So keep that in mind, right? It always relates back to the insurance company unless there is no insurance coverage, all right? There is some little exception to that. Um, but the majority, vast, vast majority of the time, a hundred percent of the money is coming from the insurance company. All right. A lot of nuances in the rationale behind that, but keep that in mind. Okay. The rules and the statutes say that we can't bring up insurance at trial, but there's absolutely nothing that says that I can't let you know and let you all be informed that insurance is actually generally involved. Okay. Now, if we look back at this this particular case, just to kind of bring it all back in, they the insurance company offered a dollar. Her attorney turned it down. They went to trial. And not shockingly, they lost, okay? The nephew won. But sometimes you have to think of the optics on these things when you file a lawsuit. And filing a lawsuit against a family member or against a nephew, right, especially a 12-year-old nephew, man, that looks really, really bad. Okay. Um, it just does. And I could understand the verdict just from that perspective, but I can also understand it from the perspective of how was that nephew at fault? Right. And, and that's really an important thing to think about is we always have to figure out who is at fault. Is somebody truly at fault for my injuries? Because just because something bad happens does not mean that somebody else is at fault. Okay. Just because you fall down does not mean it's somebody else's fault. Right. You, it's, I mean, it happens, right? You get tripped up on your own feet. You step on a shoelace and you fall. Just because it happens at a store or someplace that has a lot of money and insurance coverage doesn't mean it's their fault, all right? And just to get into a little bit of the commentary that I, I found in, in looking at this case, talked a little bit about how it, it divulges a broken system because the insurance company refused to pay her medical bills. 
Well, you know, I disagree with that because yeah, great. You know, from my perspective as a plaintiff's attorney, do I want the insurance company always paying the medical bills 100% of the time, regardless of fault? Yeah, sure. Okay. But that's not the reality. And you have to tie some fault into that. So it's unfortunate that she fell. It's unfortunate that she had medical bills. And look, this, this is a couple years old. All right. So it's not like it just happened. It's not like she's still recovering from her broken wrist, although she could be, but by and large broken wrist, she's healed and moved on. And those bills are a thing of the past. Okay. But I come back to somebody has to be at fault in order for you to recover money. And I think in this one, it didn't have it. So that is kind of the breakdown on that. Those are two, what I found to be interesting and really kind of potentially frivolous lawsuits. All right. Uh, Probably the photograph one, maybe a little bit more fun and interesting, but I do think that the nephew and aunt one gives us a little bit more of a legal analysis, lets you kind of see what we do on a daily basis because it was a personal injury case. That's what we do on a daily basis. Now, granted, the vast majority of our cases are car crashes, but the analysis is the same. Okay. So that's what we have there for that. Now, I want to get into a listener question. And as always, I just pull a listener question. I read it straight to you and I give the answers just as I'm sitting here. All right. So the listener question for today is what is collision coverage and why should I have it? Well, that is actually a really good question. Uh, Now, here's the thing, right? In Florida, the, the state minimum is that you have personal injury protection and property damage coverage. What do those things really mean? Well, your personal injury protection coverage covers you in the event of a crash. That's our no fault. Property damage coverage covers you when you hit somebody else. So it fixes somebody else's damage. But what if you get hit by a driver that has no insurance? And we see it all the time, right? Where there's an instance where the person has no coverage. Or what if, we'll just throw this example out there. It's uh, more of an outlandish type example, but it it gets the point home. What if you're driving a $100,000 car, right? And you get hit. And it causes $30,000 in damage. How do you get that covered, right? Well, if you don't have collision coverage, that person who hits you, assuming they have insurance, is going to pay their $10,000 in property damage coverage. And you're going to have another $20,000, right? So $30,000 in property damage, $10,000 coming from the person's insurance who hits you. You're going to be on the hook for that other $20,000, right? Now, if you have collision coverage in that same scenario, you have $30,000 in property damage. The other person has $10,000 in property damage limits. They pay their $10,000. You pay your deductible. So usually zero, 500 or a thousand. Those are the typical deductibles, right? Uh, those are dollars, zero dollars, $500, $1,000. You pay that and your insurance company fixes it no matter how much it costs. So if you have that $100,000 car and it's totaled out, guess what? from the other side, say the car's value is still $100,000. I know not real life, but for, to make it easy. All right. $90,000 comes from your own insurance from your collision coverage. But if you don't have collision coverage, you're out there holding the bag. So really important to take a look at really important to have on your policy. Okay. As a side benefit, a lot of times if you have collision coverage and you have the choice of using your own collision coverage or using the other person's coverage, usually, okay, I'm making a broad generalized generalized statement here, 
but usually it's better to use your own coverage because your insurance company is more likely to work better with you than the at-fault party's insurance company. All right, that's just kind of a little tidbit that I've seen over the years of doing this and lots and lots of people having their cars fixed and having issues with the repairs and being forced to go to, to body shops maybe that they don't want to go to and using used parts or, or um, they call them OEM, but they're, they're not, they're, they're aftermarket parts, okay? Um, sometimes they use used parts, but be that as it may, that is what collision coverage is. And this is the Law Father podcast. If you have a listener question, 855-LAW-FATHER, reach out to me, lawfather at tampalawfather.com. Take a look at our Instagram because a lot of times the day before the show, I'll put up a story and ask for questions. All right, that's where some of these come from. So that is where you need to find me. So when you get done listening to the show today, hop on over to Instagram, follow us, Facebook, take a look at that. TikTok, take a look at that as well. And that is the show for today right here from Lawfather headquarters. Lawfather out. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.